The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. here at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here's your top five at five. Investors taking some profits after banner year for Wall Street's major averages. We round up the names of sectors you should be watching in the year ahead. And call it a double whammy for the travel sector. On the same week, airlines are forced to cancel hundreds of flights a day. Now cruise lines are in the focus after the CDC came out with a new recommendation. A Japanese rebound, outlook for China, and her take on emerging markets, a worldwide exchange exclusive with J.P. Morgan's Joyce Chang coming up. Plus, historic wildfires blazing across Colorado. Has that governor declaring a state of emergency? The latest coming up. And later, breaking down big tech, the state of the FANG trade in 2022 with some of the top names in business. It is Friday, New Year's Eve, December 31st, 2021. You're watching Worldwide Exchange on CNBC. Good morning. Great to be here with you all. I'm Seema Modi in for Brian Sullivan at this hour, kicking off your final trading day of the month, the quarter, the year, with a look at U.S. stock futures. And we are low. The Nasdaq indicating a lower open by 12 points. Dow Jones down about nine. This after what's been a banner year for U.S. stocks as they continue to recover from those March 2020 lows. Year to date, the Dow is up 19 percent, S&P up 27 percent, the Nasdaq higher by 22 percent. And despite still trading well below their most recent 52-week highs, still some impressive gains for the Russell 2000 and the Dow Transports Index year to date. Small caps are up about 14 percent, transports up 31 percent for their best annual gain since 2013. An impressive move in oil right now. WTI crude, as you can see, tracking higher by 60 percent so far this year. And don't forget about those historic moves in cryptocurrencies. Yes, Bitcoin and Ether have started been moving up and down in recent weeks. But for the year, Bitcoin is up 66 percent, Ether up 412 percent. Around the world, Japan and South Korea were closed, but the rest of Asia ending on a mixed note as tech stocks in Hong Kong made a sharp move higher. But today's move, not enough to help the Chinese Internet ETF, the K-Web. It is down about 55 percent this year and on pace for its worst since its inception back in 2013. Tough year. A shortened day of trade in Europe just getting underway. Italy is closed for the holiday. Markets right now, France, the U.K. are lower and Germany indicated higher. Positive territory up by two-tenths of 1%. Taking an even broader look at global markets in 2021, it's not India, Japan, Canada, or, or even the U.S. taking the cake for top performer this year. It is Argentina, as you can see, up 64%, excuse me, year to date, followed by Israel, Saudi Arabia, and France. And on the flip side, you'll take a look at Hong Kong taking the cake for worst global index year to date with a 15% loss, followed by Brazil, Malaysia, and New Zealand. To some of this morning's top stories, 
Chinese telecom giant Huawei says it expects revenue for this year to drop some 29 percent from a year ago, the outlook coming amid ongoing U.S. sanctions and the global chip shortage. As we said, crude stocks still reeling this morning after yesterday's call from the CDC saying people, including fully vaccinated individuals, should avoid going on cruises amid the recent surge in positive cases on board ships across the country. Carnival, Norwegian, Royal Caribbean are down about 2 to 6 percent this week. And a top airline trade group is filing an emergency request with the FCC asking for a delay in the rollout of new 5G wireless service near airports. The group Airlines for America says the new technology can disrupt flight computers and is asking for more time to study any potential impact. The FCC had awarded AT&T and Verizon access to the new spectrum with the service planned to roll out on January 5th. Back to the markets, which are set to post remarkable gains for the year. S&P leading the pack up more than 27 percent. The gains have been broad-based, with 88 percent of the S&P showing positive returns. Even though the five largest companies, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, Alphabet, Tesla, make up a quarter of the S&P's market cap, they did not even make the list of the top 20 performers this year. The top five gainers? Well, there you go. Devon Energy, Marathon Oil, cybersecurity firm Fortinet, Moderna, and Signature Bank up 135%. Let's talk about what lies ahead for stocks in the new year. Bill Stone, CIO of Glenview Trust Company. Bill, happy new year. Happy new year. Listen, this is the time where we can reflect and look at some big gains we've seen on Wall Street. Uh, energy really leading the pack. And I'm wondering if that is a sector you would say investors should stick by in 2022. You know, it's tough for me to get. I, I like it off the bottom like it did, but it's hard to get too excited about it for me anyway. Um, I think the transition in 2022 will be to think more about higher quality companies. Not that there aren't some high quality energy companies, but what I mean is you got to bounce, a, you know, as you showed, some of them better than a bounce. I mean, a phenomenal return out of some energy companies. Uh, and a lot of that was due to obviously the ripping oil prices. I'm not sure you can count on that necessarily. So I think you need to think about, um, you know, the higher quality as the economy starts to not get slow, but, but get slower relative to 2021. Bill, what other changes are you making to your portfolio as you size up the gains of this year and look for opportunities next year? Yeah, so I think first, the big one really is that quality trade, because it's really keyed on the fact that the Federal Reserve is you know, almost certain to hike rates and probably starting in March. And, and at least from what we've looked at, quality is the place to be. So I think that's probably the one big one. The second one is, um, I think this isn't really a change for us, but it certainly helps our case to continue to be very defensive on the bond side in terms of uh, reducing interest rate risk as much as you can. Uh, it may sound obvious, but with the Fed poised to raise rates, you typically see the 10-year Treasury yield move higher. You also typically see it continue to move higher, although that's where it gets a little bit more interesting um, because if they, the market perceives that they're pushing it too hard in terms of doing too, quote-unquote, too many hikes, relative to the strength of the economy, you can actually see the 10-year yield come off. So 
that'll be a decision point that we'll have to watch along the way. And then I guess the question is inflation. If it's transitory, if it's not, if it's sustained, uh, how does that change the Fed's move when it comes to three interest rate hikes? You're saying if there's more, the market could respond in a negative way. How many more could be in cards next year based on the analysis you've been doing, reading the tea leaves as we all do when Powell (laughs) speaks? Well, I mean, I think it's impossible to know in terms of the number. I think what I, I, I can't give you what will happen. I think I'll give you what to watch, which is really just to watch how much the yield curve, and in, in, in other words, the difference between the two-year yield and the 10-year yield flattens. Uh, if it inverts, that means they've gone too far. Um, you know, I think my biggest worry for 2022 is if you get a situation where the inflation continues to be high, but in but growth really starts to slow. That is an ugly mix for stocks. I don't expect it necessarily, but I think that's a place where you have to at least think about the downside risks. Uh, as long as you have good growth, frankly, we can forgive a lot of sins on the inflation side. I mean, just take a look at 2021, right? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Bill, this is good stuff. Thank you. A lot of good Thank advice you. as we close the year. Have a great one, Bill Stone. You too. And when we come back, a holiday wish come true for the hotel sector. New data on bookings that should be turning heads on Wall Street. Plus, year-end tax filing strategies. Or how to be more like Elon Musk. Details ahead. And later, a worldwide exchange exclusive. J.P. Morgan Global Head of Research, Joyce Chang. Her rapid-fire outlook for global stocks, the markets she's most bullish on in the year ahead. A very busy hour still ahead on Worldwide Exchange when we return. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. A quick look at the biggest Dow gainers for 2021, led by Home Depot, up 54%. Let's take a look at the laggards on the Dow this year. You'll see uh, quite a diverse list of names. Walt Disney, the worst performing Dow stock, down 14%, on track to close the year down 14%. Travel remains a big story. Hotel occupancy in the U.S. has been slowly making a comeback towards pre-pandemic levels. And according to hospitality data tracker STR, occupancy actually reached an all-time high on Christmas at 47%. That could be due in part to Christmas falling on a weekend this year. Average occupancy for the entire week was down compared to 2019, but the average daily rate for hotels staying marginally up. Joining us now with more, Amanda Haidt, 
president of SDR. Amanda, it's great to have you on. I think the numbers can be sort of somewhat confusing because in a way we're at 47 percent, but we've been steadily declining over the past couple of weeks. And I'm curious if you think that is all due to Omicron. Not all. Some of this is normal seasonal shifts in occupancies that we would see. But certainly in a market like New York, um, we've seen a bit of a slowdown last week compared to how performance um, for hotels occupancy had been happening in New York. Um, New York had been on a real upward trajectory over the last several weeks. Um, Two weeks ago, that saw the highest occupancy of all markets in the U.S. And then obviously over the last week, all we've heard about New York is number of COVID cases, Broadway shutting down, lots of service disruptions. And so we have seen some impact there in the market. How do you um, think like New York? Yeah, no, it's a great point. I actually reported on this just two weeks ago about New York being the single highest occupancy rate across the nation after being one of the worst performing markets for so many months following the pandemic. But I want to get your thoughts on what's happening with the airlines, thousands of flight cancellations. How is that having an ancillary impact on the hotel sector? We know hotels, they rely on people to travel. And a lot of times people have to travel by air to get to the vacation. Well, hotel occupancy has remained up. So we are still seeing recovery. And in fact, last week during um, Christmas week, airport hotels had the second highest occupancy of all property types. And that's really, you can see the service disruption from airlines there going into the hotel demand, going into airport hotels. That's so interesting. Prices, as we've looked at your data, suggest that they're holding up pretty well. Uh, And I'm wondering if you think that continues in 2022. Absolutely. Um, On a nominal basis, we're just above where we were in 2019. But if you take into account inflation, we're actually um, still trailing our 2019 ADR basis. Um, We will still see rates moving up as as occupancy continues to grow over the course of 2022. You know, hotel occupancy is hotels general performance is very resilient. 2022, we'll still see a lot of recovery. By the end of 2022, we expect hotel demand and hotel ADR to be back to where we were before the pandemic. Amanda, what's your big prediction for next year? Marriott buys Airbnb. We see consolidation. Or what's your big sort of bold bet? Um, You know, it's probably just on travel and hotel performance as a whole. We'll continue to see that recovery so we can get back to where we were at 2019. And hotel owners are going to be focused on continuing to to drive the bottom line because we've still got several years to go to get back to our pre-pandemic levels when you're talking about the bottom line for these hotel owners. Yeah. And of course, also sizing the impact of of this variant as well uh, will also be key, of course. But I hear you on the recovery. Uh, The broader story is there. Amanda, great to see you. Thank you for joining us. Happy New Year. Amanda Height. Thank you, Seema. Happy New Year. Still on deck, a closer look at what are very likely the most important stocks in the market. We're talking 2022 playbook for technology when Worldwide Exchange returns. Today's big number, $156 billion. That's how much capital is held by SPACs seeking private companies to take public in the next two years, according to SPAC research. Over 600 SPACs went public in 2021, a new record. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Philip Mena. A state of emergency has been declared in Colorado. A wildfire exploded in size within just a few hours, tearing through subdivisions near Boulder. At least 500 homes have been destroyed, with thousands of residents forced to evacuate. It's believed the fire started when wind gusts of more than 100 miles per hour brought down power lines. The governor said football field lengths of land were consumed in seconds. No deaths have been reported, but the Boulder County Sheriff says he wouldn't be surprised to find casualties. President Biden urged his Russian counterpart Vladimir Putin to de-escalate tensions with Ukraine, while the Russian leader warned of a, quote, complete rupture of relations should the U.S. impose further sanctions. The two men spoke on the phone for around 50 minutes last night on Putin's request. In recent weeks, Russia has amassed several divisions of troops near Ukraine's eastern border. Those military moves have sparked fears of a full-scale invasion, which President Biden said would be met with decisive action. New Year's Day could make a lucky lottery player a few hundred million dollars richer. It's a wrap for Powerball's 2021 drawings after not one ticket matched all six numbers drawn on Wednesday, meaning the jackpot has now climbed to $500 million for Saturday night's drawing. Finally, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, someone allegedly zipped five puppies inside of a bag and left them on a counter at a convenience store on Christmas night. Overwhelmed with the holiday spirit, four out of the five responding police officers adopted the dogs right on the spot. An employee at the gas station adopted the fifth. Those pups are thought to be just five weeks old. A happy ending. And those are your news headlines on this New Year's Eve. Seema, I'll send it back to you. Certainly a happy ending. Philip, happy New Year to you. Thanks for joining us today. Philip Mena. Now, much has been made of Elon Musk's moves to sell roughly 10% of his Tesla stock as a means to pay his estimated tax bill of about $11 billion. Musk making his intentions known in a Twitter poll back in November. But financial advisors say that was more likely driven by a need to employ a smart end-of-the-year tax strategy. Our next guest says you, too, should live your life like Elon Musk when it comes to taxes, even if, even if you're nowhere near his income bracket. Rich Austin, executive director of Integrated Partners, joining me now. Rich, uh, you've got the headline here. Tell investors how they should be more like Elon Musk. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Seema. Yes. You know, so Elon Musk, like you stated, in, 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 uh, back in September, he put a plan in place with his advisors. So, and that plan was in place, but what we saw was him going out to Twitter and asking his followers what he, what, what he should do. But in reality, that plan was already in place. Uh, what, what we typically do is we consult with our financial advisors as well. And we look at three different things. We look at asset allocation, we look at what's the tax impact, and we look at what are our needs. So let's get specific. Long-term and short-term capital gains can be confusing for investors. It's the last day of the trading year. Uh, we know what should investors do? How should they distinguish which stocks to sell? 
Yeah, that's a great question. So, I mean, it is the last day of the trading year, right? So um, hopefully this has already been done, but if you're sitting there and making these trades today, uh, you're looking at your overall portfolio. Are you overweighted in a certain sector or industry? Um, you know, and then making those decisions on taking some gains off of the table. So from a capital gain standpoint, you know, if you're a married individual filing jointly and you're, um, you know, and you're, uh, you know, earning less than $500,000 a year, then, you know, you're at a 15% capital gains rate. Um, so, you know, if you've made the decision to take some gains off the table at a 15% capital gains rate, it might, it might make sense. Uh, reallocate your portfolio. And if you have some losses in your portfolio, you know, taking a look at some of those losses and um, to offset the gains. And Rich, how do you think President Biden's proposed uh, tax uh, on long-term capital gains could impact the market in 2022? I mean, some people are quick to assume, oh, we're going to see a sell-off, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I wish I had a, a crystal ball, right? So uh, that's the, they, in, uh, in November, it moved from Congress you know, to um, to the Senate, but there hasn't really seemed to be much momentum since then. One of the things that's interesting, especially from Elon Musk's standpoint, and probably one of the reasons why he did what he did with, uh, you know, uh, at, at this point was a surcharge on high income individuals where there's a 5% surcharge over $10 million of modified adjusted income and an additional 3% surcharge on you know, taxable income over 25 million. For Elon Musk's standpoint, with 23 billion in compensation, that's roughly about a million eight in additional taxes if he exercised next year, um, if that surcharge went through. So good planning. Rich, is there um, any advice you have for cryptocurrency investors from the data suggests there are many more Americans who hold cryptocurrencies this year? Um, so, you know, right now, I know there's been some uh, some talk about, you know, in tax reform, you know, modifying the taxation of, you know, uh, of cryptocurrency. Uh, my advice right now is to treat it like other investments in your portfolio. And if you're overweighted or you need to take some gains off the table, you know, you're at a 15 percent capital gains rate and it might make sense. All right, Rich. Good to see you. Thanks for the advice. Always appreciate it. Rich Austin. Thank you, Seema. Happy New Year. And to you. Straight ahead on Worldwide Exchange, another day, another thousand plus flight cancellations. What the CEO of JetBlue is telling CNBC about the broader impact. But first, a look at the year's best and worst performing commodities. You thought lumber and oil? Think again. It's actually oat futures, all at oat milk, up 90% this year. Coffee, a close second, up 78% and on pace for its best year since 1994 when it surged 134% caffeined up. Metals taking a hit on the chin this year. Palladium down 10%. First negative year since 2015. Silver down 13% to end its worst year since 2015 when it lost about 19.5%. Stay at home. Social media, meme stocks. Where we stand in some of the hottest trades of the year as we say goodbye to 2021. Talk about how trades. We're talking tech with Evercore's Mark Mahaney and Wedbush's Joel Kalina. They're here with their take on what will outperform in 2022. From inflation and emerging markets to Japan and China, a one-on-one with J.P. Morgan's Joyce Chang. It's a worldwide exchange exclusive you cannot afford to miss. New Year's Eve, December 31st, and you're watching Worldwide Exchange on CNBC.
Welcome back. I'm Seema Modi and for Brian Sullivan. Great to have you all here with us today. Here's how stock futures are looking halfway through the 5 a.m. hour in New York. We're lower uh, in negative territory. Dow indicating a lower open by 25 points. Nasdaq down about 14 points as we head into the final trading session of the month, the quarter, the year. Here's a look at where some of 2021's big theme stocks stand year to date. A hat tip to CNBC's own Ethan Kraft. A mostly brutal year for stay-at-home names. You can see Peloton uh, down about 75% this year. Zoom down 44%. DocuSign down 30%. Some social stocks also getting burned. Pinterest down 42 Snap down about 4%. And Twitter down 18% for the worst year since 2016. Fintech, all the excitement around the space getting hit hard. PayPal and Block, formerly known as Square, are both on pace for their first annual declines on record. Also a rough year when it comes to gaming and casinos. Penn National, Las Vegas Sands on track to be the S&P 500's two worst performing stocks of 2021, both seeing their biggest annual drop since 2008. Meanwhile, despite a wild ride, meme stocks logging in a pretty big year. Look at this. AMC is up 1,200 percent. GameStop up 725 percent. And BlackBerry up 43. And a year of COVID vaccine stocks riding high. BioNTech up 215. Moderna up 140 percent. Pfizer up about 60 percent on track for its best year since 1998. To some of this morning's top stories, Omicron and COVID-19 surge continuing to plague airlines. The FAA itself is warning of even more delays because of staffing shortages within its own agency. Since Sunday, airlines have canceled more than 1,000 flights into, within or out of the U.S. every day, with many preemptively canceling flights this coming weekend. CBC spoke with JetBlue CEO Robin Hayes on the broader impact of this issue. This has the potential to uh, bring society to its knees very quickly. Um, you know, if people can't fly, if the subway system can't keep moving, if doctors' offices can't stay open, if supermarkets can't have shelves uh, stacked, if banks close down, I mean, this has a huge impact. So, of course, public health is uh, key to all of this, uh, but we have to also make sure that we can keep society open, but do it in a safe way. The FDA is planning to broaden the eligibility for a Pfizer-BioNTech booster to children between ages 12 and 15 in the coming days. Regulators are also expected to authorize an extra shot of Pfizer's vaccine for both adolescents and adults five months after receiving a second dose instead of the currently interval of six months. The likely guidance coming as Omicron accounts for about 58 percent of all new cases in the U.S., with case counts in children rising some 50 percent since the beginning of this month. And attorney generals in five Republican-leaning states led by Texas allege the Nasdaq efforts to promote diversity on corporate boards establishes, quote, illegal quotas that discriminate against men and white people. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton says Nasdaq-listed companies would have to, quote, overlook a person's relevant qualifications under the guise of promoting diversity if forced to follow the rule. The Nasdaq is requiring listed firms to disclose the demographics of their boards, those that don't have any self-identified women and at least one underrepresented minority or LGBTQ person have to explain why not. Back to markets, technology has had a strong year with the sector set to be the third best performing sector of 2021, up about 34 percent. Individual tech names were the big drivers of the S&P, Alphabet, NVIDIA, Tesla and Meta all making up about a third of the S&P's gains. 
Joining us now for a look at where the sector could go in 2022, Joel Kalina, head of technology and media trading at Wedbush Securities, and Mark Mahaney, head of internet research at Evercore ISI. Great to have you both on. Uh, and Mark and Joel, what's so great to have both of you here today is because you have conflicting views on the trajectory of a name like Meta, formerly known as Facebook. Joel, you have a sell, and Mark, you yeah. have a buy. Um, Mark, perhaps I'll start with you. Why, why do you like this name? Well, I think it's got two problems that can be potentially fixed. Uh, one is the reason it's underperformed this year is because of um, uh, the ESG discount, uh, the, the especially the S uh, discount, the social impact, uh, the, the concerns of the social impact that Facebook has. The second issue that's really dogged the stock of this year have been concerns over the, the way it can target, uh, help people run attribution models on advertising in the future in the wake of the privacy changes at uh, Apple. I think those are two potentially fixable problems this year. And then the stock in terms of valuation, I think it's uh, intrinsically relatively attractive, close to 20 times earnings for something that I think going forwards is a 20 to 30% earnings grower. So I think it's trading at a discount to its growth rate. Those three factors make us bullish on Facebook. It's one of our top three picks of the year. Joel, tell us why you disagree. Yeah, and I, I don't disagree with with kind of the, the bullish thesis, especially when it comes to valuation. But a name with, with Facebook, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of uh, regulatory threats continue to overhang the story. The toxicity of the platform as well, which kind of Mark touched touched on, on the ESG portion of it as well. I mean, I think you just look at their, their financials. I mean, their, their top line uh, missed last quarter. Daily and month, monthly active users are both kind of were just in line-ish, to say the best. In my view, more comes from a trading perspective, where I just view other large cap names to be better, you know, better, better positioned uh, to be overweight, whether that's Microsoft and Alphabet. I just think those two companies possess a rare combination of of enormous growth, uh, tremendous scale and elevated margins, which just make them much more favorable heading into 22 than a name like Facebook, which still has a lot of hair around the story. And regarding the IDFA headwinds, that if they can figure that out, that's going to be a, a huge still unknown. I think eventually these tech companies will be able to navigate the headwinds, which they kind of were faced with in 21. But I see greater, greater alpha potential in a name like Snapchat or Pins if, if, in terms of IDFA kind of uh, a turnaround. Yeah, that's a good point. Mark, how are you thinking about regulation, uh, LenaCon, you know, the breakup of big tech, privacy issues for Meta? How do these sort of challenges come to fruition in 2022? Well, they've been building for, for years, and I don't think it's, uh, I don't think we're at peak reg or peak regulatory pressure. I think it's likely to continue to, um, to increase almost irregardless of what happens with the midterm elections at the end of this year. For big tech companies, one rule I think is going to be certain going forwards is that very large acquisitions are extremely uh, unlikely. So that in some level limits the growth opportunities for really for all of, uh, of big tech. Uh, that, that's an issue for, uh, for Facebook. Um, I, I think when it comes to uh, the uh, antitrust, however, I think probably Facebook may have the strongest position. Uh, you know, it's got the clearest, it's got the least monopolistic position, you know, in its, uh, in its core business versus some of the other names. But look, I think this is a headwind for all of these names. I think Facebook can still outperform, but I want to fully acknowledge Regulatory risk is a headwind for it, like it is for other big tech, big, big tech names. Okay, that, that's interesting. I, I guess, Joel, how are you thinking about a name like Amazon? Uh, yep. Down, or excuse me, only up about five percent this year, really trailing its peers in 2021. Yeah, I mean, similar to kind of you know Facebook. Obviously, I, I think obviously they're they're in a heavy investment cycle right now, and, and and typically the stock does underperform in the near term when they they start the initial phases of this process. 
and clearly that's been a goal since kind of Jassy took the reins, is they're going to spend, they're going to invest heavily for future growth. And, and that's going to become a, a somewhat of a margin headwind in, in, in you know, moving forward, at least in the next two to three quarters. But I think the problem with, with Amazon, it's kind of a hybrid name, right? They've obviously were a huge pandemic win winner. We know those those kind of tailwinds have faded tremendously, especially over the last kind of, you know, two quarters or so. Um, so Amazon's mm -hmm. amazingly has become a little bit of a, a wait and see story within the large cap kind of complex. Is it a, a retail name? Is it more of a tech name? Right now, it's somewhere in the middle. Um, you know, AWS is kind of mod stabilized and the growth is moderated somewhat. That's still kind of the crown jewel of the story. Uh, if they can re-accelerate re on the cloud side of things and, and, and maybe see some other big splashes on the M&A front, but Amazon's yeah. come a little bit dull, I think, just in regards to some of the other stories, which are just a little bit more sexy at the moment. Mark, Amazon remains a top pick for you. $4,300 price target, if I'm reading this correctly. Uh, and this is a name that you considered that you, investors should stick by. Yeah, I think it's one of the highest quality names, frankly, across consumer uh, tech. I think it's hard to find a company that faces total adjustable markets or TAMs bigger than uh, an Amazon. And yes, it's clearly in investment mode. That's what's actually caused the underperformance in the stock this year. The investors have to ask themselves, do they think that Amazon's investing uh, correctly and wisely? Well, what Amazon is doing is doubling down on its infrastructure here for faster or more consistent one-day delivery and then what I call super same-day delivery, the ability to order something and get it within mm -hmm. five hours. I mean, Amazon's going to be able to do this faster and better than anybody else. And I think consumers are going to respond by sharing more of their pocketbook, spending more of their pocketbook, their wallet with Amazon. So I think it's an investment that makes a lot of sense. You're going to start seeing returns this year. That's what's going to take the stock higher. Mark, pre-pandemic, you and I would bump into each other at travel conferences. You cover some of the big online travel firms. What's your outlook for Expedia, Booking? Which, what's going to be the winner in 2022? Uh, you know, the, uh, you're right, Seema, the recovery uh, you could put them in a recovery basket. The challenge with the travel names, however, is that they've already traded as if they have recovered. They're already at the peak right. multiples, uh, um, and they have been for a while. I just think it creates less upside. If you want a recovery name that I think is still trading at close to a trough multiple, I like Uber. That's why it's one of our top three picks for this year. Okay, and Uber has uh, underperformed the S&P this year. We'll see if 2022 is a bit different. Mark and Joel, great to see you both. Good picks as we round out the year. Appreciate you guys joining me today. Thank you, Sarah. Coming up, a worldwide exchange exclusive, Joyce Chang, global market. She's watching the year ahead and her contrarian, contrarian call when it comes to China. But first, check out some of the biggest sector leaders and laggards in this year. We're back after this. It's going to be a very, very interesting situation. And it's very important not to buy the index, not to buy the Emerging Markets Index but to look at individual countries. There's another virus that's out there, but a digital virus. Uh, Log4j, I believe is its technical name. Hopefully this is just something that will come and go in the uh, internet world, uh, but it's starting to pop up all over the place as a serious uh, malware problem. We're looking at past the year behind us in which you could throw a dart at a dartboard of commodities and make money almost inevitably. And this year, we're looking at significant divergence among commodities. Some are going to outperform, and some are going to be really underperforming significantly. It's not impossible that we are in the early stages of finally shifting this to being an endemic uh, health challenge rather than a pandemic, in which case the European economies 
will come roaring back because the European policymakers have tightened up recently. And we, it could, it's not impossible by the end of January, we're talking about some kind of accelerating boom again, at least in the economic cycle. Welcome back. If you're just tuning into Worldwide Exchange for the first time this week, that was just a taste of what's been discussed on this show. And if you haven't missed one day, you can still catch all of our interviews right now on CNBC.com. But we're not done yet just because our own Brian Sullivan had the chance to sit down with a big name in finance to get her take on global markets in 2022 and beyond. We are very pleased to be joined by Joyce Chang. She is the chair of global research at J.P. Morgan Chase, also named one of finance's 25 most powerful women by American banker going back basically a decade. Joyce, I know you don't do a lot of TV, so we love having you on Worldwide Exchange, and you truly have a global view. Thank you for coming on. Um, 2022 just seems so hard to predict given all the things that we are seeing with, with COVID, with Omicron, with supply chain issues, with political issues in Russia, Ukraine. Let's go country by country. But right now, how do you see the world shaping up next year? Well, great to be with you, Brian. It's still a year that's above trend for growth globally. And we do see that China's going to slow down in growth, but actually that Europe is going to outperform a recovery in Japanese growth. But even in China, the worst is behind us as far as what we fall in the third quarter. Now, higher inflation is still going to be with us, but we really see this as more of an inflation rotation rather than sustained um, higher inflation across the board. I think some of the supply chain shocks will be solved, but we will then have still concerns about inflation in other areas, wage inflation, um, housing services, and energy prices, where I do think there's more upside pressure. But on the growth story, I think it's still above trend. I think the message from the Fed was one that the markets expected. It lent credibility to the Fed, recognizes what the challenges are that they need to navigate. So it's still a very positive year for equities ahead. But I think it's one of those years where the U.S. is not necessarily the outperformer. I think international markets can outperform in 2022. Yeah, the U.S. has been a moneymaker for so long. I understand that your clients and our viewers, they sort of get in these habits like, hey, if, it's, if it doesn't stop working, why not just ride it out? But we're starting to see valuations near some of the higher ends historically. As you look around the world, do you see markets like a China, like other markets, Japan, ex-Asia, where the valuations and the growth stories and the expectations just simply seem, it's no knock on America, but they just seem more reasonable or rational. No, I, I think that, you know, for the S&P 500, we have 50-50 um, as the target. So that's still um, a good return, but it's a more moderate return. We are really looking at overall emerging markets equities, really to play catch up in 2022 um, for the whole MSCI EM up 18%. But within that, we actually think that China will outperform after a really challenging 2021. And I think the bottom really was the third quarter for growth. We saw in China a 3.3% contraction. We also saw all of the um, difficulties in the energy sector and the property sector. And I think you're going to see um, you know, more stabilization in China, but also very attractive valuations here. So particularly um, you know, after the Olympics, I think that you could really see sentiment improve. 
Um, and um, we see that the worst is probably behind us in some of the default numbers in the property sector, as well as the decline we had in growth in the third quarter. I'm looking at four, 5% sequential growth um, over the fourth quarter and the first quarter of 2022. What about the headline risk on regulation, government overstep, government overreach, that idea of the iron fist versus the velvet glove? I mean, you wake up one morning and you hear that, that the Chinese government has you know, forced out a CEO or done this. Do you have to kind of put a valuation discount on China because there could be a DD, like a, a delisting risk? Well, I mean, look, China is on a common prosperity agenda right now, which goes to t- 2035, 2049. So this is not going to go away. And we saw recently at the Economic Work Conference that they really clarified that common prosperity means for China, making the cake bigger and better before slicing the cake is the way that they put it. And I think what this means is that the central government will aim to provide um, more what they call precise provisioning. I think that translates as some regulation in some of the basic public services, including education, healthcare, and housing to continue. So I don't see them um, shifting away. So they set the rules in 2021. They're going to implement them in 2022. And that means that you do have to be selective at what you look at um, in China right now. The common prosperity is going to help certain sectors. Um, it's going to help, I think, the, on the cyclicals, industrials, materials, on also some of the um, you know, new electric vehicle supply chain, the renewables, um, a lot of the automation. A lot of what's driving common prosperity is China's demographics. Um, you know, yeah. There is a real concern about that. But I think you're going to want to be more underweight still on property, um, you know, health care. Um, you know, gaming, I think, is another sector that could be more vulnerable. So I, I think that China will um, you know, not you're not going to see a reversal um, in what, how they're directing housing policy or decarbonization or the tech regulation. But I think you will see cyclicals and some of this consumer discretionary supported here. OK. And uh, one of my predictions, which, by the way, are just done for fun and on investment advice, you actually give real investment advice is about Japan. And I was looking at the valuations, 15 times earnings on the Nikkei versus 26 forward on the S&P 500. And I think Japan and other people, you've written about it, Jeffries has written about it, others like it. Are you bullish on Japan as well as China? Uh, we are bullish on Japan, and that's largely off of the growth numbers. I mean, we had Japan at 3.7% growth last year. I mean, that's like around where we have U.S. growth. I think that's going to be the best economic growth that you've seen since the first year of Abinomics. And so I think a lot of this is just, um, you know, the savings, the consumer spending that we see in place in Japan. But the growth story actually is one that in the fourth quarter is really going to post one of the strongest growth numbers that we're seeing globally. So I do see that consumer story as coming back and growth in Japan for where they have been, you know, historically on you know one of the high prints in 2022. Pretty remarkable stuff in a nation that's had about four or five recessions in the last 20 to 25 years. Joyce Chang, Chair of Global Research at J.P. Morgan Chase. We love your global views. We appreciate you coming on. Have a happy new year, Joyce. Best to you and your clients and your family and everybody else. We hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you. Thank you, Brian, and happy holidays to you and to everyone. Thank you very much. Thank you. Our thanks to Brian Sullivan and J.P. Morgan's Joyce Chang. As we head to break, uh, take a look at futures. We're headed into a lower open. And if you haven't already, follow our podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange, check it out. Apple, Spotify, or other podcast apps. We will be right back. 
Gearing up for the final trading day of the month, quarter, and year. Let's dig into this with someone who has been right on a number of her stock picks throughout 2021. Tiffany McGee, CEO and CIO of Pivotal Advisors and a CNBC contributor, joining us by phone. Tiffany, great to have you on. I'm looking at Home Depot, Cisco, and United Health as the best performing stocks on the Dow. I'm curious if any of these names stand out to you. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Home Depot has done really, really well. Um, Cisco has done really well. Uh, and, but we've also had these glimmers of stocks who have done well, who have also done well, right? I think we've got a little bit spoiled kind of coming out of 2020 with these names that have done, you know, super high digits or, or triple digits. Um, but there are opportunities that that we've seen this year where stocks have done really well. Um, so Macy's is one of them. Um, I sent you guys a, a couple of different um, mm-hmm. stocks that, that, I, that I've been um, that I've, I've been talking about all year. Macy's is one of them that I talked about actually last time I was on the show, um, and that is a total turnaround story, right? They're up about 138 percent this year. Hulahan Loki is also is a stock. It's a uh, small, smaller, independent um, um, financial services firm. It's up 55 percent for the year. And we tend to talk about the Goldman's and the JPs of the world. But uh, this is um, a smaller um, kind of services firm that has done very, very well. I uh, love that. It's a small cap. Yeah. Well, I was going to just take a step back. Futures are under a bit of pressure today. It is the last and final trading day of the year, Tiffany. Do you think we'll see some tax selling today? Um, possibly. You know, we've, we've got the rest of the trading day, so we, we, we might see that. Um, I think also if, if as far as um, um, individual investors, I work with a lot of institutional investors. A lot of people are trying to make their contributions, um, but they do have a couple more months uh, to make their, their retirement contributions. But I do think that we're going to try, that we'll see some of that today as well. You love talking about the metaverse. I think we all do. That was a big sort of trend area of interest this year. Tell us why you say Roblox is the best way to play this, this new market. Yeah, you know, I think for 2022, um, you know, we, we talked all year about crypto, but I think, you know, blockchain is a technology that I'm really excited about. And so, you know, the, the collective term for all things blockchain, um, you know, crypto uh, and, and, and NFTs as well is, is Web3. And I think that, you know, Roblox is really one of those stocks that's really well positioned. They're really leading, um, they're the leading metaverse company. They've got 50 million daily active users, over 200 million monthly active users. Um, they've just made substantial investments into user identity, and that is one of the use cases that, that I'm um, really interested in, really excited about when it comes to blockchain technology. See, you and I, none of us own our digital identity, right? Social media um, and companies own our digital identity, and we've got to you know, log in with passwords and usernames. And so blockchain really is, is the foundation for all of us not having to do any of those things. And so Roblox is really investing in that. Um, they're also doing these really cool experiences like Nike Land and Gucci Gardens and Dance right. World. Yes. And so they had 37 million uh, uh, attendees to a little NOS concert, maybe over $10 million um, in virtual merch sales. So, right. Uh, that's definitely one to watch. Tiffany, yeah. great to see you. Roblox up 123%. And that does it for us on Worldwide Exchange. Futures pointing to a lower open. I'm Seema Modi. Thank you for joining me. Squawk Box is next. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. 
This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.